Hello, this is Roger Shouse, and this is Jumpstart Rewind. This is part of our Heaven Bound family of podcasts. Jumpstart number 1819, first written March 31st, 2017. Psalms 133, verse 1. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. Unity, the ability to get along, blend together, work together, and be one is a huge aspect of the New Testament church. We find expressions such as one mind, one voice, striving together as essential elements that made the church functional and practical. The Ephesians were told to be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit. Getting along isn't easy. It isn't easy at home, it isn't easy in the nation, and it certainly isn't easy in the congregation. The New Testament shows the strains and difficulties of unity. The Jews and Gentiles blending together created some unique issues that had to be worked out and worked through. Differences such as eating meats sacrificed to idols tested this unity. Some didn't do well with this unity. The Galatians were warned about biting and devouring one another. Diotrephes received, received, refused to accept some brethren that were sent from the Apostle John. He put them out. The Corinthians were divided and splintered in many areas. It affected the worship, specifically the Lord's Supper, and it drove some to having lawsuits against each other. Getting along is hard. Take a road trip with the kids and you'll find this out. It's a challenge today to get believers to be one. Everyone has their own thoughts about how things ought to be done. It's hard for a husband and wife to agree on what color to paint the walls at home. Imagine trying to set the course with 400 people involved. You'll never please everyone. However, unity can still prevail. Here are some things I've learned about unity. First, unity begins with an attitude and spirit that wants to be together. Take a kid and send him to summer camp, and if that kid goes kicking and screaming, and his mind is made up that he won't like it, there's a strong chance he won't like it. But talk it up. Send some friends with him. Get his attitude changed, and the results will change. I don't like it works well if you live by yourself in an apartment. But if you want to do anything with someone else, you have to learn to get along. This is learned in dating. This is the key to marriage. I've watched many shows with my wife that I would have never watched by myself. My wife wanted to watch them, and I wanted to sit by her, so I watched them. In fact, I not only learned some things, they weren't that bad after all. In fact, I grew to like some of those shows. That's what the spirit of unity will do to a person. If your mind is made up that I don't like something down at the church, you probably won't like it. But if you have the spirit that says, I want to sit with others, you may grow to like those things. Secondly, the very nature of the word unity implies getting along with others. If everyone did what I want to do, there's no unity. They're doing what I want. Unity is about getting along. This is lacking in our times. Society demands that you accept me, but I don't have to accept you. That's nothing more than selfishness. That will always blow up and it will always fail. It kills a marriage. It destroys friendships. It severs a church. Get along. It may not be my idea, but if it's not wrong, why can't I give it a try? What hurts many churches today is that there are too many of us who are selfish and we have to have our own way or we pitch a fit. The expression, I'll take my ball and go home, is exactly how some feel and behave. Why should you have your way? Why shouldn't I not have my way? When dealing with things down at the church house, two things must come first in our thinking. Number one, is it right with the Lord? Unity around error is wrong. Everyone wanting a golden calf doesn't mean golden calves are right. The Lord has to be thought of first. Is it biblical? Is it consistent with scriptures? Is this what we're supposed to be doing? That must come first every single time. 
Next, what's best for the group? When you're trying to unify a group, the group as a whole must be thought of about. Where are they spiritually? What is best interest in them spiritually? What will help them the most? This is what it looks like at home. Maybe dad feels like going golfing every Saturday, his day off. Sounds like fun. But for the group, the family, it may not be the best thing. He may need to take the kids to the park. Dad may do some things he feel doesn't feel like doing, but it's not about him. It's about the unit, the family, the group. Thirdly, unity moves beyond the it moves, moves beyond attitudes and the spirit to actually participate together. It's one thing to say I'll go along with it, but then you never show up or you never are involved with those things. On our Saturday illustration, Dad could send Mom and the kids to the park, and he goes golfing. Everyone does what they want to do, and all is happy, except there was no togetherness with Dad. He didn't participate with the family. He did what he wanted to do. When our kids are older and it's time to go visit Grandma, they may remember that. They may say, you go, we don't feel like it. Cooperating, participating, engaged, being there, being there when the church has a special meeting in class, being there because the shepherds have designed something that will help us, being there because unity demands that. Unity is more than an attitude. It's doing things together. It's being together. Fourth, unity is based upon decisions that's been made by the trusted shepherds or elders. Men who truly have their hearts set on helping the church have a track record of making important decisions that will benefit all of us. Their history has proven this. They've not done things without pouring hours and prayers into this project. Now, this may be a problem in some places. Maybe the shepherds have not proven themselves. Maybe the members do not trust the shepherds. Maybe the relationship is not healthy and good. If that's the case, then there may be a struggle with unity. Have you ever seen what happens when unity is missing in the church? It's not a pretty picture. You have subgroups that talk about each other, and they talk about other people. Folks don't stick along stick around long after services. They peel out as soon as the last amen is said. Why stick around? There's nothing in common with these other people. That's the thinking when unity is missing. Activities, projects, and special meetings are usually a bust. Few show up. No one supports these things. It's do the minimum and nothing else. It's get through worship as fast as you can and get out of there. No one greets others. We can feel the tension. You can tell these people do not like each other. There's a constant battle and friction going on under the surface. There are attempts to undermine the leadership and attempts to take over. It's ugly and messy and lacking Jesus. How pleasant it is, our verse tells us, for brothers to dwell together in unity. It's good. It shows the world that we are different. And Christ binds us together. It shows the world that we can get along. It's powerful. It's strengthening. It's encouraging. It's helpful. It bugs the daylight out of Satan. It's exactly what God wants us to be. So it comes down to you and me. Do you want to be united? Can we be team players? Can we cooperate? Can we give and take? Does it have to be your way? Does it have to be my way? Can we see any good and pleasant thing that will happen when we dwell together? Instead of frowning, let's smile. Instead of crossing our arms, let's hug. Instead of sitting alone, let's sit together. Instead of going our own way, let's walk together. Can we talk? Can we listen? Can we be together? Can we share? Can we learn from each other? Unity, it begins with you and me wanting it. That's what it's all about. Thank you so much for listening.